This is Guideposts with Dr. Tim Stoffer, a podcast where Tim and his friends engage in purposeful conversation about identity, parenting, culture, faith, and more. Tim Stoffer is a professor of counseling and a licensed clinical counselor. My name is Sam Myung, and I'm Tim's friend. My life has been greatly enriched by my time talking to Tim and getting his thoughts on many matters that impact my life daily. After listening to this podcast, I hope you'll feel the same. Guideposts are discernment markers. They provide opportunities for direction as well as warnings of pitfalls. Go this way and be careful of that way. We hope that each episode provides some sense of direction as we navigate the challenges of daily life. Thanks so much for listening. Quick disclaimer, the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your licensed mental health provider. All right. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Dr. Tim Stoffer. Got Tim here with me, and we're going to get started. Well, Sam, I'm excited about um, kind of launching our podcast and um, me too. this episode, and I've been looking forward to um, this conversation and the subsequent conversations that will be coming down the pike. And so, um, so let's talk. All right. Okay, uh, Tim, I've got our first question for us to talk about. It's a doozy. Should I spank or should I not spank my toddler? I have a three and a half year old and um, he is a hilarious, awesome little boy. He is also wild as I'll get out and Tim, you know, you've seen him. He has a lot of energy. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He's the best and- um, He'd never do anything. Anything that would be difficult. He's just yeah. such a sweet child, runs around, plays, and yeah. it's hard yeah. to imagine any kind of chaos that he could unleash. Right, right. Um, but my, my wife and I like are genuinely, um, we're just trying to figure out what is the best way to parent our kid. And, um, and both of us as kids, we were, we were you know, spanked by our parents, but um, not in a harmful way. Um, and there's just a lot of voices exerting their opinion on the matter. And honestly, as a young parent, I just am pretty confused on the topic and want help navigating what is best for my kid. Mm-hmm. So when I think like what you what you just described is like a prerequisite for a good parenting is is asking the question is what's good for my kid? Like like genuinely saying I want. I want to raise my child under conditions that are optimal or where the environment is conducive for maturity and growth sure. and um, positive contribution to society as general. Like we want to launch our kids as effective adults that can go out into the world and, and make a difference um, and contribute productively to society. And that's a long, that's a long haul project. Like humans take a long time to, yeah to grow and and so how to maybe the maybe what i think is like what constitutes this question or a better way of framing the question is what constitutes effective discipline yeah and and what i do know um from the debates around this topic is that there is a is a really broad consensus yeah that children need effective discipline like yeah. like there is a a clear understanding that an undisciplined an unruly child that's not whose behavior is not sanctioned or brought into appropriate constraint 
is a problem. And we see it in the grocery stores, we see it in the restaurants, we see it at yeah. all sorts of places. When we see an out of control parent, we see an out of control child, and we're we're saying something something is ineffective here in the discipline structure, something's not working and yeah. and it needs to work. And ask school teachers about behavioral problems or the lack of discipline within schools. It's like healthy discipline is important. And yeah. And at the same time, we don't want to traumatize our kids. We don't want to hurt our kids. Right, we don't right. want them to be abused and neglected or um, treated poorly. Yeah. And so that raises a lot of hard questions. Yeah. Well, let's start. I would love to hear what some of the, I guess, some of the arguments are for and against. What um, What does some of the research show? And and um, yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to hear hear some of those things. Yeah. Well, one of the things that that I find really important, and it's kind of one of the principles around how I try to live my life with most topics or with topics, is that I want to hear the strengths of arguments from competing sides. Yeah. And I actually want to look at yeah. what do I agree with rather than looking for what I disagree with. And so as a as a general rule, we have a tendency to... to try to find science or try to find thinkers or philosophies that reinforce what we already think yeah. or whatever our bias is. We want to find that which that which supports it. And so if you're a pro spanking and you believe that corporal punishment is a an appropriate and good and necessary way of child rearing, you're going to listen to philosophers and psychologists and thinkers and you're going to con- you're going to create science to try to answer that question in the direction that you prefer. On the on the other hand, the same is true um, on the other side. And so um, the the science seems to be mixed. At the same time, there is a there is a general um, broad brush sense that spanking is not good. Okay. Like the if you if you look at the broader literature psychologically. It would show that the the meta-analysis of the data would say spanking tends to harm children, has a negative adverse effect. In fact, there was a huge study, I think it was conducted in 2016, um, that has been really a game changer in the mental health field um, around trauma and children. It was called the Adverse um, Childhood Experiences Study, um, and it looked at what what constitutes trauma, what constitutes um, adverse conditions within childhood, and spanking and corporal punishment and abuse um, kind of all aggregated into that data as a, as a significantly traumatic um, yeah. negative experience. And, and you will find an inordinate number of people talking about how they were beat as children, how sure. they were disciplined in a very unhealthy manner, and have been scarred by it and have found it to be traumatic and sure. and make it difficult to trust people because if the people who love me the most are willing to beat me um yeah that's a problem which which that that makes absolute sense um which makes absolute sense and i have you know tons of compassion towards anyone whose experience was such that they genuinely experienced abuse from a parent like that is absolutely heartbreaking um the thing that i'm like wrestling with like in my head is that that data doesn't map with my own experience with spanking like i did have parents that spanked but 
I had not abusive parents, like incredibly loving mm-hmm. parents and supportive parents. Mm-hmm. And um, so to, to hear that those studies create this broad brush stroke that it is, mm-hmm. um, is I don't know, that's, that's hard for me because it doesn't sure. match my own experience. Well, it's a gross mischaracterization characterization of many people who have spanked their children. Yeah. And so to, to lump to lump all parents that have used corporal punishment are one under one category is a gross misrepresentation of reality. Yeah. And yet, if you look at meta data, it sure. can you can kind of point it in in that direction. Uh, so at large, it would be fair to say that it is misused. Is that would that be an appropriate way to like be able to? I don't know, restate what you're saying, the data shows? Sure, absolutely. And I would guess even the parents who have, who I would say have not been abusive and have used spanking have at times spanked. Sure. Like you could find within the stories of of people, were you ever spanked in a way that was not, well, did your parents ever make a mistake? Did they ever, sure. were they ever ticked and really frustrated and upset and exasperated and as a kind of a reaction or a, a place of overreaction spanked their child probably yeah um does that constitute an abusive parent i think that that's a gross mischaracterization of otherwise really healthy parents it's like who who among us parents perfectly right and so so to say that one encounter or making a mistake as it relates to the use of corporal punishment somehow equals abusive parent Again, I think that's too broad. That's painting with too broad of a brush, and yeah. isn't is I don't think is helpful for um, a parent deciding. Okay, how do I how do I stop Billy from beating Johnny with a club? Like right, right. if 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 Big Brother is beating up on little sister, and they're not stop, and you need to stop that behavior immediately. Um, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Or or if they're about to stick a fork into the electrical outlet yeah, um, yeah, yeah. or do something that's um, devastatingly dangerous, Yeah, um, you will take whatever means necessary to bring a stop to that which could cause significant harm. Yeah, um, And as one psychologist would say it, use minimal amounts of force necessary to achieve a necessary objective. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and so if that means you hold your child firmly so that they can't move until they settle down and they, and they calm, um, that's appropriate. Um, but if you snap the back of a, of a two-year-old's hand so that they don't reach up and touch the stove and they associate a snap on the back of the hand with touching a hot stove, did we abuse our child or did we protect them from right. serious injury? Right. Um, and, and I don't think those are the places where many people have complaint about corporal punishment. Yeah. The, the challenge, I think, with corporal punishment and with spanking is that, that many parents resort to that in their exasperation um, and in their anger or in their frustration or in their own um, emotional decompensation. They're coming apart. They're frustrated. They don't know what to do. They're they're angry. They feel absolutely embarrassed. Yeah. They feel 
humiliated. They feel like a failure. And it's like, we gotta assert, I gotta assert myself and get this chaos under control. And, and then, then the use of corporal punishment is less than optimal. I would say in, that, in those kinds of settings, the likelihood of that causing damage is significant. Yeah. And again, particularly if it's pattern behavior over a long period of time where there's an unpredictableness of, I'm gonna get spanked if dad is pissed and in a bad mood, not without any connection to whether or not I deliberately did something that was wrong. So, yeah, and it, it and at that point it becomes way more about the parent than it does about the kid. And, I think so. And I think the thing that that you're touching at that can be so dangerous and potentially harmful for a kid is the yeah the the inconsistency there. Like one you know one day I'm you know good mood. Cyrus does something, no spanking. Next day, I'm in a bad mood. He does the same thing, gets a spanking. Like that, I could see that being very problematic for a kid's development and understanding. Absolutely. The that, world himself, how his actions correspond to them. Like, um, right. So, so optimally in childhood development, um, and this comes from. Um, what's called attachment theory, is we want to create an environment where a child um, develops a, a secure base. Um, it's a place where it's like, when I am in distress, I have a safe place to come back to. I can, you can see it in the toddler when you drop off your kids at the church nursery or at day at daycare yep. or any place, you, you, let, you put the child into a different environment and and um, the parent steps away and the child decompensates because they're anxious and afraid. Um, it's like they want to run back to their parent. That yeah. person probably has like an, that child is probably developing like an anxious attachment kind of process. It's like they're, uh -huh. to be separated from the place of security is dysregulating. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, a secure child, you can drop them off and they have confidence that you will be back. Yeah. And they'll go and they'll play with the other kids. There, there may be some sense of mom, dad, don't, don't leave me here. But you leave them there and they have confidence that you're going to come back. When you come back, they're happy to see you. Yeah. It's like we want to create an environment of a secure base that we know you're, we know you're there and we know you're reliable and you're going to create optimal conditions for me to thrive. Uh, now, optimal conditions don't mean permissive parenting. Like, permissive parenting is not a good strategy for healthy child development. But neither is rigid, authoritarian kind of parenting where, where you're just ruling the roost with an iron fist. It's like that's not optimal childhood development. Um, that's, that's not a good environment for children. Yeah. Uh, and so we want what's oftentimes called authoritative parents. It's parents that set absolutely clear boundaries and you don't cross them without consequence. At the okay, say that, say that again. You, you create clear boundaries okay. and you, you cannot cross that boundary without consequence. And those are the battles parents cannot lose. It's important for them not to lose the boundaries that are set. Now, what, yeah. where many parents falter is they set way too many boundaries. 
Hmm. It's like a, a two-year-old can't have an unlimited number of boundaries that are randomly assigned um, in order for, um, like, they, there's too many. It's like I can't, I, I don't know how to navigate the world if I'm two and I can't even critically think things through, and yet I'm being held to account for all of these different things that I can't remember them all, but... It's like, yes, the parent told you last week you can't yeah. do that. Well, what makes us think the two-year-old's going to remember that, that we can hold that boundary? So, so yeah. we want to have a developmentally appropriate number of boundaries, and we want to keep our boundaries as few as possible. Like, we want, we want a maximal amount of freedom for exploration and for play and for um, learning and growth. We want an environment that is rich with opportunity. Uh, and, and the boundaries need to be minimal, but they need to be clear. And when they are set and when they are understood, if a parent fudges on that boundary, yeah, now they've done harm to their child as well. Now they've, now they've learned that their child, they've taught their child to manipulate. Hmm. It's like, if I, if I set a boundary and then my child throws a fit and I give up on that boundary, I've just taught them something very important throw a fit yeah and and the authority structures have to bend to you and you get to be in charge and so you get to have it the way you want it and and you just reinforce the behavior yeah and many parents fall down there because one they set too many boundaries unreasonable boundaries yeah they have unreasonable expectations of their two-year-old they think that somehow their two-year-old should be able to reason the way an adult reasons and then they're upset at their child because they don't understand my my incredibly wise parenting and they don't even appreciate how good of a parent I really am. <laughs> and now I'm pissed at you because you're not understanding how good of a parent I really am. Yeah. And so then we react negatively and it's like, well, that's unreasonable. It's like we've just set boundaries that no reasonable two-year-old would ever be able to, to genuinely follow. So keep them right. basic and few and then enforce them and get creative with the enforcement make the make it so that when the boundary or when the behavior is done you use teeth brushing as a as an example is is create a place where once the once the teeth are brushed there's this incredible reward for the process of it being done Uh so what often happens at bedtime is you brush your teeth and once you brush your teeth you're going to have to do the next thing that you don't want to do is go to and bed. that's go to bed right and right. so so it's like we're connecting okay we're connecting. Yeah. so the child starts to protest the brushing of their teeth well their teeth is can brushing their teeth is connected with you isolating me in my bed in the dark yeah and you're making me do something i don't want to do so so fighting the tooth brushing might be just fighting going to bed at all and so hmm. so can you create strategies whereby brushing your teeth leads to a positive outcome so can i share an example of where i actually do think my wife and i have done this please Uh, tell me recently um i think she got this from her brother uh so dave if you're listening thanks i think it was you dave um but we have started doing what we call silly time and through as we're getting ready for bed um, you know, almost right before we 
we put him to bed. Well, we'll do two things. We'll read a book right before we go to bed. Mm-hmm. But then just before that, we will have silly time. And silly time is like the reward for for brushing his teeth, yes. for getting on his jammies, for doing, for doing all of that. And it's literally just a, two minutes of me beatboxing and him dancing around the room. And Beautiful. You know, going crazy. And then we'll read a book. But if... You know, he refuses to brush his teeth and throws a major fit. Then we'll say, I'm sorry, buddy. We won't. We're not going to have silly time tonight. Like, but we'll try again tomorrow. And, um, you know, and he goes to bed mad and he throws a fit. But it's it's uh, it has actually seemed to help. I um, do that consistently. Yeah. For a space of time and then judge its effectiveness. Yeah. So too many parents, when they come up with their solutions, they think that somehow they should just work magically the first time or two and it's like no everything is most things are developmental and take time it's like i've been working out at crossfit for two months and i stepped on the scale this morning and i haven't lost any weight (laughs) yeah i'm like well the reality is i probably did i probably lost a lot of fat weight and gained a lot of muscle weight and those are equally uh, there but i don't see this immediate result and so how about we just we just then give up on it and so developmentally we have 18 years yeah with our children to help them develop and grow. So stick with those kind of strategies and you will see tremendous results. Yeah. What would you say, what would you say to, um, what would you say to the parent who has a high value of, of obedience? Like, um, because I am a parent and you are my child, like you are to obey me. And that's not, not uh, meant to come out of a place of overbearingness, but out of uh, their understanding of how families work and their role as a parent. Um, I could easily see someone listening to this and going, well, you just need to brush your teeth because I asked you to, because I told you to. Like. You shouldn't have to get a reward for brushing your teeth. Um, I, I, what would you What would you say to to that parent? You're not being very smart. <laughs> like you you think that somehow do you respond well to that? Like do you like it when people just tell you to do something because I told you to do it? Now as an adult, do you respect that? Yeah. And that's what makes true. you What makes you think developmentally a human being is going to respect that? Yeah, it's 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 really it's really not very smart. It's like like I understand the need for respect and for authority, et cetera. But but what you just described is what I would call authoritarian parenting versus authoritative parenting. Yeah. An authoritarian is a rigid do it because I said so. Yeah. Well, now that's not smart. Yeah. Like you're not you're not you're not parenting in an effective manner. And you're setting an environment whereby people are not going to thrive. So there's this interesting yeah. scripture when it talks about it talks about fathers. It says, "Fathers do not exasperate your children." Yeah. And I think when I think about any kind of wisdom that comes from ancient texts, yeah, they're often predicated on. It's not saying that moms can be exasperating, yeah. but but I think what what often what these ancient texts do, it's like like. I think dads have an increased likelihood of being exasperating for their children. Sure. Like, um, and so, so dads have this vulnerability to create this kind of rigid space. And if you want to exasperate somebody, just tell them to do something because they said so. Yeah. 
Like yeah. I, it doesn't work for adults. It doesn't work for children. Yeah. Um, I don't have all the these. I don't have these all memorized. But the, um, Carol Reif is a researcher who talks a lot about psychological well-being. Mm-hmm. And for optimal psychological well-being, there's five. There's five categories of well-being. The one that is like one that is incredibly important is autonomy. Yeah. And so to have a sense of I get to decide, I have free will. We want to assert that I'm not you and you are not me. And so one of the developmental tasks of family and parents is is that children are not me. My children are not me. And I am not my child. Yeah. And that means I'm going to have different gift sets. I'm going to have different interests. I'm going to have different ways of thinking. I'm going to have different emotional wiring. I'm going to have different personality. My children are unique human beings that need autonomy. And so oftentimes we confuse, we confuse a toddler's foot stomping no as defiance. Yeah. And it's not defiance. Sometimes it is. I mean, there's certainly, there's certainly an element of defiance, but it's more than defiance. It's oftentimes... A two-year-old is saying, what I'm discovering, mom or dad, yeah. is that I'm not you and you're not me and I'm telling you so. And when I stomp my foot and I look at you and I have this sense of, oh no, you're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> um, we can say, nice. I'm going to crush you yeah. and I'm going to yeah. teach you that I can crush you because yeah. I'm bigger and stronger than you. I remember when my daughter, when she was just a wee little tyke, she was pushing all the buttons on the VCR back when we used to have VCR tapes, VHS tapes, and she was pushing the buttons. And, and I looked at her, Michaela, no. And she turned and she looked me right in the eye and she took her finger and went bunk right on the thing. Like, I (laughs) dare you. I dare you to to do something about this. And it's like, was she defying me? Is that the best way to explain what's happening? Maybe. Yeah. Um, there's certainly a learning opportunity and it certainly is an important, it's a certainly an important developmental space of how am I going to respond in that kind of place? Yeah. Um, because I too have autonomy. And so one of the things that I know as an adult is that she must learn to be reciprocal in her relationship with me. Yeah. And so she has to learn that she has to be responsive to the people who are in authority, to the people in her life who know better than she. And but at the same time, I also have to learn that she's an independent individual who is exploring her world and is testing her boundaries and her limits. And and so there's a part of me that I want to admire her courage to say, you're not me and I'm not you. And can I respect her? Can I respect her developmentally in that space? Even while I might need to punish or correct or bring discipline to bear on that space, I want to do that from a heart of respect for my child. And that is really difficult. And we all do that imperfectly, but we should aspire to it. Like we should aspire to this sense that I want my child to have autonomy. I want my child to be able to stand up against pressures to conform when they shouldn't conform. I want them to question authority when the authorities are saying something that they don't think is right. I want them to be able to um, take the risk of saying no. And I don't want to crush that. 
Yeah, that's a really. That's but boy, really it's hard. That, I mean, that's a really big shift in in the way you view that. Um, well, and I was um, we were talking a little earlier, and I was mentioning this like the the power your toddler has to just set you off is unlike any other relationship I've experienced. You know, my son, he's three and a half. I love him to no end. He's my own. Um, but he can make me mad, unlike any other person I have ever experienced before. And in conversations I've had with my friends processing that, it's it's what what you're kind of getting at is because he ha- he has not yet learned the reality that his actions impact other people, it's it surprises me when he is um, like, he has no regard for what I want, right? Like, mm-hmm. if I ask him to, you know, hey, Cyrus, put your shoes away, um, but he's no, and he stomps his foot, and I'm like, put your shoes away, no, and it doesn't stop. Like, he has no understanding. I, I think it's getting, it, I mean, it's it's growing, sure. but, but um, especially, you know, when he was a little bit younger, too, um, if I had an interaction with someone at the grocery store and, you know, I grabbed for the last box of cereal or something, and or if, if I was about to grab for a box and someone else takes it and I ask for it and they say no, there's usually some sort of dialogue of at least some level of mutual respect when you're having it, regardless of whether or not that adult gives me the box of cereal. Like, he's not just gonna go, no, 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 and stomp his feet and, and cry at me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm I'm so shocked when the, I experience that with my toddler, and that's what like brings me to a new level of what do you mean no? Like you're supposed to respect me and have conversation sure. here, right. and um, right. and well, so he just hasn't learned that yet. And to to reframe it, and one I guess to not be surprised like that 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 will happen, mm-hmm. and it is a necessary part of him growing is. Mm-hmm is engaging in this um so sorry yeah that was long-winded maybe not a helpful no i think one i think like what you're describing at the grocery store it's like well if you had to bring that person home with you and live with them you would have a level of conflict with that person that would mirror yeah what you have with your son yeah like the intractability (laughs) like how many of us have had marital conflict that is of a different kind than anybody else that we know right right well i i mean i'm i'm a marriage therapist it's like (laughs) right right. it's like i i have observed and i have seen decompensation with adults that confuse them yeah like like it's not at all uncommon for people to say i never have this kind of intractable yeah. conflict and difficulty with anybody else in my whole world. Yeah. Why is th- like, and so we make the assumption that just means my spouse is crazy. Yeah. When yeah. it's like, no, it's that and you've got a different dynamic going on. That maps because I have this conversation with my brother too, like about why is it the people that we are closest to are sometimes the people that we are we treat the worst sure like um, I have that conversation with my brother all the time right. and so yeah marriage kids siblings like that that all maps right it's like it brings out uh, um, it, it brings up this deep and, and we're about moving into the holidays right now and so every family 
You go home and you feel, you can at times feel yourself regressing back into old family rules. Not not rules, like rules is uh, R-O-L, yes. Like we take on our different rules and we, it's like, okay, I'm the youngest in the family. And I begin to respond Hmm. based on the rules that I had as a kid in this home with all these people. And so does everybody else. Hmm. And so you replicate these family dynamics 20, 30, 40 years later. And it's like, it just, it just comes out. And it's like, people yeah. don't like that. That's why a lot of people get depressed over the holidays. It's like, they're gonna be forced to go back into these environments that haven't been particularly warm or caring um, and not very safe. And so many people find that to be really depressing and hard. Uh, and so when we think about parenting and discipline, we are creating, we're creating a family system. We're creating we're creating a process of how we're going to be together and we're laying the foundation and the groundwork for what it's going to be like with our family. And so we have to be really diligent at examining our own, our own histories, our own trauma, our own fears, our own anger, uh, when we get activated. Yeah. And so what's very common is for a parent to get pushed to the brink and they feel angry and then they discipline or then they spank. And so one of my objections with spanking is is that sense of like, if I'm going to spank a child, is it just because I'm angry? And and would I, would I choose, if I was thinking about the optimal way to teach this child an important life lesson, is spanking the most appropriate in that space. Now I know that's a really, some people's absolutely not. And some people would say yes. And yeah. I think each parent needs to decide that. And from what I understand, especially in Ohio and with most states, the law has sided with parents in being able to make that decision. Yeah. So the law is very clear. You can't abuse your children. Right. right but the right, law right. is also very clear that spanking in an appropriate non, where you're not causing injury, yeah. is not considered to be illegal. At least from yeah. the last I looked, that's the case in Ohio. Yeah. And so the law has consistently sided with parents to make that decision. Yeah. Um, the mental health field would, um, would, would, would typically say, no, that's, spanking is not a good idea. Yeah. And there's a, there's a raft of research, like I, we talked about earlier, that would point towards this is a, this is a potentially or an actually um, very unhealthy practice. Uh, many of us, you and I included, have been spanked in a way that we wouldn't look back on as abusive. Right. Uh, like my mom, you you don't want to be spanked by my mom. <laughs> like, 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 but my the way my mom spanked was so unlike what I see as really unhealthy forms of corporal punishment, where sure. parents exasperate and they up and wail their kid and smack them across the butt or they hit them with something because they're angry and ticked and they like my mom set clear boundaries and you don't violate them and if you choose to she'll usually say if you keep doing this you're going to get a spanking yeah and if you kept doing it she would say i need you to go and you need to get the yardstick and you need to go to your room and you'll sit in your (laughs) bed and you'll wait for me to come in five minutes and i want you to think about what you did yeah and and so when I think about spanking in my experience was I don't ever think about my mom as being reactive to me almost ever. I don't I can't remember a spanking whereby it wasn't because I was being reflective on something of on choices that I made that my mom had given me very clear directions about and said, no, 
Yeah. And I continued to say, so it almost, yes. it almost became a choice that you made. It and was, I held my, was, and I, and even at that age, I held myself responsible for, yeah, now, yeah. I didn't like it. Right. I don't, like, right. And, and there's a scripture that says no discipline is, right. is, is comfortable. It's like right. being disciplined isn't fun. It's like, yeah. it's not a nice, warm kind of experience that generates all sorts of, all sorts of love. Right. But now healthy anger is in essence saying a healthy form of anger says that that um, it's like our soul is protesting the lack of love within the relationship and it's setting about to correct it. And so healthy forms of anger, and this is why disciplining in this kind of anger is not problematic. It's not even dangerous. It's like when my anger is healthy, I will be expressing something that my soul is saying love is missing. Something is wrong. So when I'm angry at my, my children fighting, mm-hmm. that could just be me. I'm irritated because I'm trying to get work done and you guys are ruining my peace. And I'm gonna yeah. and now I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a whooping because you're messing up my life. Right. Or we might say I'm angry in the sense that what's happening here is a is unhealthy and it's wrong and it's a lack of love and something some corrective response needs to happen to bring to reestablish yeah. a loving, good environment. And yeah. that kind of discipline is not abusive. Um, but it's still, we still could call it anger. Sure. sure. Uh, and, and so just saying, like we don't want parents to just discipline out of like no passion, no emotion. Like we're, we're human. Like right, right. if somebody's betraying the relationship or hurting the relationship, for me not to have feeling about that's ridiculous. Right. It's like, of course I'm gonna have feeling. So, so we don't wanna punish out of anger, but maybe it's better saying we don't wanna punish out of human anger. Scripture talks about yeah. that human anger doesn't bring about justice. Human anger brings about divisiveness, it brings about destruction, it brings about retribution. Yeah. But godly anger or righteous anger or that which is just, justice yeah. is about reestablishing love and safety and goodness. Yeah. And and if we're going to discipline, that needs to be the the platform from which we discipline. And my mom, I think, did that very well. And when people advocate for spanking, I suspect that in the purest sense, that's the kind yeah. of spanking they believe is helpful. Yeah. And there's, and there's philosophical, theological um, reasons for why people defend that form of corporal punishment. Yeah. That's really compelling. Do you want to mention the more recent study that you were telling me about? Oh, um, yeah. So, so I mentioned the study that, that the metadata that came out saying that spanking is an adverse childhood experience and, and the American Association of Pediatrics um, filed a, and you can, I'll, this will be in the show notes as well, um, their document, um, where they, they came out and said spanking of any sort, corporal punishment of, ever, of any sort that's physical ought to be avoided, um, absolutely. Um, um, Joshua Prickster um, just published an article just, just, this, just last month, okay. um, a study on um, looking at spanking and saying we need to look within the subjects about the effectiveness of spanking, not across subjects or not between subjects. And so metadata, when it's anal- when there's an analysis, can look at like, okay, we're going to take 11,000 participants and say, when we aggregate all the data of all these people, is spanking beneficial? 
Uh-huh. No, it's not. In fact, it's shown uh-huh. to be unhelpful and it's shown to lead to adverse um, outcomes. Yeah. However, what that misses is the potential that healthy discipline and healthy spanking might actually, that there might actually be a form done properly that actually is beneficial. And so what Prisker found was that yeah. when you narrow down the data and start looking within the individual, you can find that actually um, very controlled, very infrequent forms of spanking show that it may have some benefit um, to the child. So one of the arguments against spanking says that that the data would show that the more people are spanked, the more externalizing behaviors they have. In other words, the more acting out they have. So there's this correlation between the frequency of spanking and the frequency of of um, negative behaviors or externalizing behaviors. And it's like, there's a part of me that says, well, of course so. Like, which is it? Is it chicken or which comes first? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So it's like, it's like well, frequen- or is this the kid that needs spanked? Well, like, it's like, like the frequency, yeah, of, the yeah, frequency yeah. of spanking is going to be correlated with some level of behaviors, sure. which is coming first. This, the That takes really sophisticated statistics. Yeah. Like what, whenever there's a correlation in science, we have to say, this common phrase, if you ever take a statistics course, causa- correlation is it's not, not causation. causation. It doesn't I cause took one it. stat class and, and so I, it's I like got you will, out of it that to know will, that. That yeah. will be pounded into your head from an undergraduate level statistics course because correlation does not imply causation. And so the same is true, that holds true as it relates to externalizing or, or behavior and acting out. And yeah. so frequency and frequency, there's a part of it's like, well, of course there would be. like. Um, that that's that, that makes a lot of sense. The when Prisker looked within the subject, he didn't find that the freak that that spanking led to more externalizing behaviors. And uh-huh. so so all the data that we have from between subjects is called into question in this most recent study about would be within subjects. And so when we look at the individual and individual stories, hmm. and I think this is why it's so controversial is yeah. that so many people have experienced spanking in a way that they look back on it and say, that was developmentally important for me. Yeah. Would I do it the same way my mom did? No. Like I, but the attitude with which my mom disciplined me, absolutely. Yeah. Like my mom was nurturing, she was kind, she was loving, she was firm, she set boundaries, she had expectations. When she asked you to clean your room, you clean your room. When it's time to go to bed, you go to bed. But there was lots of room for exploring. I could go out on my bike and I could be gone for half the day and I could go fishing with my friends. I could go. Huh. Yeah. And I wasn't harshly disciplined. I wasn't capriciously disciplined. I wasn't randomly disciplined because my mom was in a bad mood or had a fight with my dad. And so now I'm going to take it out on the kids. Like I didn't experience spanking in that kind of context. And if I had, I would probably look back on those times and mom said, Hey, go to your room and on your way there, you get the yardstick and then I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Right. It's like, if that was if that was the attitude with which my mom spanked, I would guess that I would rank that as an adverse childhood experience. Yeah, it was an adverse experience. Like adverse, it, it, it wasn't fun. Like my mom, my mom when she <laughs> yeah, spanked, yeah. like you, and she would tell you, you're going to get three swats, and you and it's going to be on your butt, but you better not slouch because. I'm not adjusting where, like, if you slouch, you've got to keep your butt up there. And so many people would look like if my mom, if people just evaluated the way my mom spanked me, 
they would she would probably get in trouble today for that kind of spanking sure maybe uh, yeah, maybe yeah. not i mean it's probably not um but she would be suspect it would be like okay you don't that that yeah. form of uh, yeah. spank and i don't know that i would spank my children i don't know that I, i'm not advocating that people take that approach sure but what i am advocating for is that we take my mom's attitude yeah and that we say that parenting requires boundaries. It requires us to enforce them. And children need to learn to, to live that, that we thrive within boundaries. There was another recent study that came out that said that children do better with boundaries than without physical boundaries. So um, if you go to a playground, at a school. Oh, oh, you're you're just you're talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about literal yeah, physical boundaries. Yeah. It's it's like if you go to a playground that does not have a fence, children will huddle towards the middle and play in the middle because it's too much open space. Wow. You put up a fence and the children will play out to the fence. And they'll and the, and they will be able to explore the entirety of the playground yard rather than huddling towards the middle because of it's just this big wide open expanse. Yeah. So conceptually, psychologically, the same is true around boundaries. It's like we need to know our boundaries and we need to know that when we cross them, there's consequence. And if you cross them, but but if everything in our life is about we just that's the only part of parenting. Well, now we blew it like we're not we're yeah. not Gestapo's. We're not yeah, yeah. we're not we're not authoritarian that all we're going to do is teach our kids to respect authority. And that's the only important thing in life. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, I want an environment rich for my children to explore, yeah. but with firm boundaries that you will not, you will not, you will not continue to, to hurt people. So, and I think this is helpful for, you know, I made mention of the parent who has a high value of obedience. Um, I think uh, almost maybe kind of on the flip side, you got another camp of parents that are incredibly high value of connection. And the idea of disciplining is so hard to embrace for fear of it being unloving or, mm -hmm. un you know, like hurtful or something like that. Um, but I hear what, what you're saying is like ultimately like the most loving thing is to have boundaries and to reinforce them through discipline right well um, and that the uh, when you asked me about how what i would say to the authoritarian parent yeah and i said that's not very smart yeah i yeah. would say the same thing yeah to the connection parent that's not very smart yeah you're not yeah. you're not very nuanced in your thinking yeah like like if you think that somehow you can just have this warm fuzzy nice utopia with your children you're not preparing them to go out into the world yeah. of wolves. Yeah. You're not preparing them at all for controversy and adversity and for struggle. Yeah. And so, so the idea that all we do is connect and we just create this, well, now that's an unreasonable, like you, you're, yeah. you're living in the world of the giver. You're not, you're not, <laughs> yeah. you're not yeah. living in real <laughs> life. Like you yeah. think that somehow you can just have this warm, fuzzy relate. It's like your problem is enmeshment. Like you, you are, you think that you and your child are the same and, and everything has to be warm and fuzzy and, and nice. And like, yeah. well, that's, that's missing the, that's missing the boat as well. Yeah. And, and so, so we need this mix of, and, and of course across the continuum, it's like, there's going to be people that will default more towards the connection side of that equation sure, and to sure. the authoritarian yeah. authoritative side and both can be very healthy parents and both yeah but but we're talking about aspects of extremes like extreme right, enmeshments right. unhealthy extreme like we we know the frustration of helicopter parents like we're yeah. gonna see the 
we're going to see the problems in the literature coming out about overprotecting our children and not letting them struggle. Yeah. And, yeah. and we may already be seeing some of the consequences of that. Like that form of parenting doesn't work well. Right. Um, right. And so, so it's a hard parenting is not for the faint of heart. Like right. if you think that we sign up for parenting and we're just going to tack that onto our list of, of things that we're going to do, man, we're going to, we're going to run into the wall. Yeah. Um, parenting's hard. It's hard work, but it's rewarding. That is true. It, it, it's, yeah, there's definitely, and, but it feels like the moments where you get to experience the rewardingness are separated between lots of moments of grueling battles. Right. And you're in that, you're in that stage of parenting right now where you have a newborn and you have a toddler yeah. and you don't have a life. Like, it's like, yes, that's, that's true. That, but that, that will, it will, that will change. Like yeah. I, yeah. I just launched my, my, my daughter just turned 21. Yeah. And it's like, it's so rewarding hmm. to have her come home, to have hmm. her want to come home. Yeah. It's so rewarding to have, um, to have my children, um, and to see them thriving and thinking about what they're going to do for a living. What are, what are ways that they can thrive as individuals? And I see, I see them building skill sets and things that I don't know how to do, but they can do really well. And that's fun and it's exciting and it's exciting to see them grow and to launch and to, to try new things and yeah. deeply rewarding, but man, it's exhausting and it's yeah. frustrating. And my kids have pushed my buttons in ways that other people haven't seemed to find those buttons. Uh, <laughs> and of course that's the nature of, yeah. that's the nature of parenting. And, but it's a, it's a great gift and it's an, it's children are a blessing and they're, it's, yeah. it's a gift that we get to, that we get to invest in the lives of other people and, yeah. um, and we want to do it optimally. And I think every parent needs to discipline well and uh, find what's effective. And every child's yeah. different. Like, yeah. like, um, there are children temperamentally who are radically different, who will respond to different interventions and different processes. And yeah, we got to be creative and, stay focused on what is that longer term goal of creating the environment that's rich for our children to thrive. So let's, let's camp there for for a second. And maybe this is, um, yeah, I would like to sit here. It's like, what does, you know, disciplining our kids is loving is like the best thing for our kids. Um, what would be some, help like what are some of like the most important things that we need to like as a parent of especially a toddler what are some of the most important things that i should think through with disciplining my kids like what what are like the i've hear you i've heard you say creating clear boundaries right and and consistent consistently reinforcing those boundaries so i guess here's maybe the 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 thing with that is what what would you recommend as like appropriate how, how do you determine if what the the appropriate consequence for the the broken boundary is um yeah i i think i think that's that's the question um and and i guess maybe even if if you don't mind speaking into what are some things that would be suggested good boundaries to create and what are things that's like that's not, and I guess this probably changes based on age, 
as boundaries and what is appropriate and not appropriate is going to change depending on age. So I guess maybe. Well, I think some, some we have a responsibility as an adult to learn to tolerate chaos and like, and that there's a, um, there's a level of imperfection or a level around which our, our world, um, is going to our children get to help negotiate what the boundaries are like like a child like we want to have our house child friendly so so if we have lots of antiques sitting around yeah well don't like (laughs) right like don't don't create such a harsh environment that you're living in the museum and the child can't play because they're going to break the $10,000 piece of furniture or it's like, yeah. well, don't do that. Like, that's not very smart. Like this is, this is child zone. And so, and, and so grandparents will often experience that. It's like the grandkids are coming home to stay and they got a baby proof. They got a child proof uh-huh. their house because they haven't had to have their house child proof for a long time. And so that expensive dish or that heirloom is sitting there within striking distance um, well, good parents will remove that. They will, they will, will create the environment right. that, the, that we don't have to have the boundary so that we're not constantly, no, no, don't touch it. No, no, don't do that. Don't. It's like, we, that's an interesting thought, like almost trying to do all that you can to remove as many boundaries as possible. And so, but then it becomes where boundaries do become necessary. Like, like you're not trying to create a million boundaries you're trying to actually produce an environment where there are as few boundaries as possible right um so if it yeah so that's a great example so i think playgrounds at schools are are a great example as well it's like so we put up the fence so that the kids can't just wander off into the neighborhood and, and get, they can do whatever they but want whatever like, is in this playground is yours yeah is yours yeah. and and in many ways the story of genesis talks about yeah, this I, like, I literally was thinking about that too. it's just like yeah. it's like hey this whole garden is yours but there's yeah. a boundary here yeah and if yeah. you cross the boundary it's gonna hurt you don't do right, it right. and what happens people do right like right, right. and 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 then there's consequence Right. Um, and, but there's also redemption. Yeah. There's also a structure by which we can put, be put back into yeah. healthy space again. And so, so whatever that is for parents, they have to n- negotiate that out. Like there's not a one, here's the answer. And now, oh, great. I'm glad I got the answers to that from this podcast. <laughs> now I know exactly what to do specifically. Sure, it's like, sure. well, take, take the principles of, of discipline, the principles of environment, be engaging your own internal um, processes, learning to manage your own reactivity, um, and do your own do your own work. So, so boundaries will be clear and enforced consistently. Um, boundaries will be set for the benefit of the child, not for parental convenience. Yeah, that's now, good. Now, there there are times where parental I use convenience in a sense that it's just to make your life easier. There are times children have to learn to be reciprocal. So, so there are times when a parent has to say, I need to work or I need to get this done and that's not negotiable. And so you're going to have to play and let mom or dad do this. And, and then that becomes a boundary because it's not for my convenience. It's because by necessity, I have to accomplish this task. The child needs to learn to respect other people's yeah, space. Yeah. So, so, but it's not just to make a parent's life 
happen. We're not setting boundaries just to make our lives better as a parent. We're, yeah. we're setting boundaries for the benefit of the child. Um, provide a, provide vision for your child so that they can thrive. So like you want to call the best out of them. So if they brush their teeth, they get to have silly time and play and dance. And I want them to be able to play and dance. And, and, and that means you've got to live up to your responsibilities in order to be able to have. And so, so it's, if we can teach that at four or at, at two, yeah. what's the likelihood that we can say to our children at 14, you're going to, if you, you want to have your own phone, you're going to have to pay for it and you need to get a job or you need to do chores around the house in order to have your phone. Yeah. Well, I start training that when they're two Yeah. because yeah. I'm teaching them silly time comes after we get our work done. Yeah. After you do what you need to do. Yeah. Now you can have silly time. So, yeah. so where that's a, that's a, like a long trajectory. We don't think about these two year old lessons we teach yeah. are going to apply to our 16 year old. Man, I am so grateful. I mean, having this conversation, I, like it really was my wife's implementation of, of silly time. And she is just way more thoughtful about all these things than I am. But having this conversation here, I'm like, wow. That is so much more beneficial than I ever realized. I I am so focused uh, so often just on the like, like um, the present behavior and just, you know, being good right now and and settling for quick solutions rather than having a how is this growing my kid into a like healthy adult uh, and so. right. Well, and that's some of like the research against spanking would say that spanking sometimes will have a short term gain, long term loss. Hmm. And so many parents, that's the way they use spanking. It's like, OK, I'm going to get what I need you to do right yeah. now. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, you you do that. You'll you'll get compliance, but you're not and, teaching anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's where that's where the appropriateness almost becomes less about whether or not you spank or if you don't spank and all of, a lot about how you do it and why you're doing it. Like, like what is the goal? Like, what is the, like, like what are you trying? Like, yeah, yeah, it's right. so different. I, I think if spanking is used, it should be profoundly infrequent. Right. Like, like sure. and to the point where I, I would like for spanking not to be necessary. Yeah. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not quite ready to say, there are many of us that have had experiences with spanking that, I'm yeah. not ready to say I think spanking should just be outlawed. Like, right, I, right. I, I agree with Ohio law of parents need parents should be able to choose, but it's not okay for parents to abuse their children, just yeah. beat them and yeah. spank them indiscriminately. Um, but at the same time, um, there are many, many stories and there is some evidence that yeah. um, that spanking may be, may be helpful at times. But boy, if we think that we're just looking for some way to get permission to spank our children, we are, we just are, at, we're starting at the wrong point in a that's conversation. Really good. It's like, that's not the thing. Like what do children need is the other thing that I think about. It's like, yes, they need discipline, but what they need even more than that is they need attention. Yeah. They need affirmation. They, um, they need affection. Uh, they need people to listen to them. They need, they need, um, they need someone to hold them on their lap and read them a book. They, they need, um, they need this security and this place of safety. They need to be able to express their emotion and knowing it's not going to ruin the relationship. Um, and so, 
So we want to give our kids these things and discipline needs to fit within that framework yeah. of, of what we're giving. Um, reactive or impulsive parenting is really, really risky. Like if we're reactive or impulsive in our discipline, we're going to hurt our kids. Like we'll hurt them psychologically. We can hurt them physically. We can, it's like impulsiveness and reactivity need to be dealt with. And if we are reactive and impulsive as a parent, and if we can be honest and go look in the mirror and, and look at ourselves and say, am I reactive and impulsive in the way I'm dealing with my children? If so, I'm going to go get help. I need to deal with my anger. I need to deal with my hurt. I need to deal with my resentments because I do not want to take this out on my children. And what we know from trauma literature is the person who was traumatized tends to traumatize. The person who tends to has these negative experiences will often put them on another person. Hmm. And that's not at all uncommon. So we have to do our own work and, Hmm. and we got to forge the kind of character of a parent that is, that is healthy and, and honest and, and holistic in the way they deal with their children. Um, think in terms of positive reinforcement. It's probably the best way to get to 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 discipline or to um, help a child thrive. It's like the, that's where we we reward the behavior um, that we want repeated. Um, and so you want them to brush the teeth. You have silly time, and they brush their teeth. You have silly time. You're you're, you're, re, you're it's positive reinforcement. Thank you. You did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, children love to please. And so when we can say, man, you did, that was fantastic. Good yeah. work, man. So we want, so, we want yeah, that. What are, what are, yeah. Give me some more examples of like what good positive reinforcement, because it doesn't, it doesn't mean that every time you do this, you get a cookie. Like, cause I'm like, no, I was going to say that's the, sometimes I think it's called the Walmart principle. The guy who, who kind of does that, Hey, you do this and then you have the cookie. Uh-huh. Um, you get to, you eat your vegetables and then you can have dessert. If you don't eat your vegetables, you don't get dessert. It's like, um, that's a really like basic kind of rudimentary uh-huh. and that may not even be particularly yeah. um, wise or useful, but we all do it and we all find uh-huh. that it does kind of work. Yeah. Time. Yeah. I mean, it does. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so again, <laughs> oftentimes parent parenting is often very pragmatic and utilitarian. What, what's going to get the job done and what's going to get yeah. done now. And, and so we can tend to use those kinds of things. Um, that's a good question. What are some other ways of going about, um, about that? Um, I think like, uh, one psychologist I, I listened to when he talked about parenting, he talked about like, if you want your child to stay in bed so that they're not getting out of their bed in the middle of the night uh-huh. is you wrap up presents, like wrap, find little toys that your kids will love. Uh-huh. And you wrap them up and put them up high where they can't reach them and say, you know what, when you go to bed tonight, if you don't get out of your bed tomorrow morning, I'm going to give you one of these presents. Uh And if they stay in bed, they get a present. Yeah. If they get out of bed, they don't. Yeah. And, and so you give them a present and then they want, they want to have a present. So they, so they stay in their bed and, and over time you do that, you repeat that and you pair that with positive reinforcement, Mm -hmm. a child will begin to not need it. It's like that, that just becomes part of the part of the strategy. Negative reinforcement is this element that we remove an obstacle for a person because they did something good. And that also increases the likelihood of a behavior being repeated. It's like if I'm hurting and I remove something that hurts because I did the right thing, like and so negative reinforcement's a little harder to think about for children because we're we're trying to remove obstacles for them anyway. But but so, conceptually 
Um, would I don't know if this is if I'm thinking of this correctly, like negative reinforcement removing something, like say, uh, you know, Cyrus has free reign of the downstairs, but the office over in the corner, he will go play with stuff, and I'm constantly going, no, don't touch that, don't touch, don't touch Daddy's laptop, don't you know? Mm-hmm. Um, would negative reinforcement mean like? I don't know if this is this is right or what you're getting at, but putting up like a baby gate to ensure that he actually just that's no longer a part of what he can get into. Like I've removed that obstacle, or is that am I not thinking of that correctly? Um, so let's say not quite. That's close. It would be like saying that every once in a while it's okay for the child to be in the office under the right conditions. Uh-huh. And if they engage in a particular set of positive behaviors that you'll take down the baby gate so that they have access to that, uh-huh. or you're taking down the obstacle, now they can come in. That would be like a negative reinforcement. We're taking, oh, we're taking away something that they don't like because they did, they I did see. something. So, I so see. perhaps like, um, so, and again, I think negative reinforcement is, is more challenging in yeah. early parenting. Um, so, but it's interesting and it's still a good thing. Like negative reinforcement. Negative reinforcement is a, is a, is a good thing. thing. It, it, okay. it increases the likelihood of a behavior being repeated. Yeah. So, so, so if we want to increase the likelihood of repeating something, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, both so increase. So I think I do have something. a good example now, now that I think about it. Like um, when we go to cross the street, okay, Cyrus must hold my hand. Yes. And he does he does good with it, but I make him hold my hand. Right. Like he does not have a choice, and sometimes he does not want to hold my hand. But with time and with the confidence that he has learned how to look both ways and know how to cross the street, I can remove holding my hand. That's a good so that he can do it on his own. Yeah, that's a great example. Okay. That's like you're removing an, uh, you're removing something from that which will increase the likelihood of the behavior again it's a it's an iffy one it's yeah. it's not a it's not an absolute sure, clear fit, it's but it's a, it's like but but conceptually we can but. think in terms of of are there ways we can reward a person by taking something away that's not comfortable for them sure um and so that's one like in the psychology literature that's one way of increasing the likelihood of behavior being repeated. Oftentimes that's probably more of a natural consequence thing. Like if we, okay. like, like if we engage, like if I engage in healthy eating habits uh-huh. and, and I, my stomach stops to hurting, yeah. it increases the likelihood I'm yeah. going to eat healthy because my stomach stopped hurting. Um, that would be a negative reinforcing kind of process. Punishment is when we inflict something to get something to stop. Yeah. And so, so that's always we want that to be last resort kind sure. of material where we're sure. intervening. We want we want that would be like the dog shot collar on a dog. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. it's like we you can't cross this boundary. If you do, it's going to beep at you and then it's going to vibrate or it's going to give you a little shock. Yeah. And 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 that decreases the likelihood of the behavior being repeated. Um, we all know that life will shock us it yeah, will yeah yeah it will give us this jolt that says you can't do that and if you do you will hurt right and right, right. and and so advocates for spanking will often say we do that with children in a controlled way that teaches them that that's how life works yeah yeah um 
that's very controversial. Sure. But that's, sure. but that's part of the, that's in essence, that's what, that's what punishment is. Uh, but my, my, my encouragement for parents is to, to only think about discipline and punishment and all of these kinds of processes is wrapped into a much more holistic approach of how do we create environments where our children can thrive because children are a gift from God. They are a blessing to us. And we have this profound, profound opportunity to make a difference in the world, in the life of our children. And that is our primary, that is the primary place in which we can make a difference. Um, And so let's do that with, with as much excellence as we can muster. That's great. That's great. Well, you're a good dad. I, 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 I watch you parent and, um, thanks and I, um, you're, you're a good man. And so it's been a fun conversation and, um, I Lord be with you as you continue to find your way through what it means to be a, a good parent and discipline and love and, and to create that kind of environment. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's hard. It is the without a doubt the hardest thing I have um, undertaken, and um, uh, but it's also the best thing and one of the things that I feel like I am growing. Like it is forcing me to grow, unlike anything else I've experienced. Almost everything of value is hard. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a normal experience. It's things that are hard. Yeah. Anything that has lots of value is typically challenging. Yeah. Um, great. Great. All right. Okay. So to finish our conversation and, um, let's, let's go ahead and and just share what are we walking away from this conversation with? Um, and so thinking about this and talking with you, some, here, here's some of my big takeaways. Um, the importance of being healthy as the parent. Um, mm-hmm. you, you talk about how negative it is to discipline out of reaction or being incredibly impulsive. And I feel like it's so important of you prevent that by being healthy yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm thinking clearly and I'm you know, getting sleep and, you know, all these other things, like what does it mean to be healthy? Like that, that helps. So, um, being healthy as a parent, um, what else I put down here? I said, um, you talked about, in, um, creating the optimal conditions. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Creating, creating optimal conditions. And yeah. And, and that, and that again, combats the reactiveness is, am I being intentional? Um, and alongside that with the positive and negative reinforcement, am I being intentional about what I'm putting into the system and taking out of the system to help grow my boys into the the men I want them to be down the road? And that's a long-term game. Um, but yeah, so I think the importance of, of, of am I, um, yeah, what am I putting into this mm-hmm. um, and not just reacting. Um, and then the the final one, the, the the big the big one was the importance of boundaries, like the the creating good boundaries, and then that are reinforceable, like mm-hmm. reinforceable boundaries, um, 
and uh, and trying to keep that as few as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a you know a conversation my wife and I have is like, you know, what hills do you die on and what don't? What what you don't like when you're working with a toddler? Like every little thing could be a battle if I wanted it right. to be. Um, and so I, I guess that just becomes her and I deciding what are the big things mm-hmm. that we're like these are these are the big ones. Right. We're gonna make sure that they're clear. And we're going to continue to communicate them and mm-hmm. and only pick ones that are reinforceable. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And I think it is like in adding just a smidge onto that. Yeah. It's like we if we're going to set a boundary, we have to enforce it. All of yeah, them. Yeah. Like we we don't set them unless we intend to enforce them. Yeah. And so um, so they should be very few. Um, but once they're set, they're not negotiable. Yeah. And, and so we're, it's not like we're going to reinforce 90% of our boundaries. Ideally, we're going to reinforce all of them. Yeah. Uh, now I understand it's like, I think one of the takeaways for me from this conversation <laughs> is, is just a reminder of how complicated and hard parenting is. Like, sure. like my youngest is almost 16. And so while there are certainly still parental responsibilities when your children are in high school and adolescence, um, it's a different kind of parenting than when you're with toddlers and infants and yeah. and dealing with young children and and it's exhausting as as a parent and so like we can talk about creating optical optimal conditions we do as best we can but but we don't have control of all the variables and so we often right. don't have optimal conditions and we're tired and we're fatigued and we're like man it is when we have work pressures and financial pressures and often when children are yeah. being born parents aren't they're not wealthy, so they're trying to figure out how to make a living, and and so I think, and just as a reminder for me today, how how hard and complicated parenting um, really can be, and um, and so so for all of you that are listening as well, it's like if you're exhausted and tired, I want to normalize that. That's not a that's not at all uncommon, but but take responsibility, step up, and. Um, attend to your own health and take little steps of of personal health and personal thriving that are important and and do the work you need to do to to be a good parent your children deserve it and you have a great opportunity as a parent and it's a it's an awesome it's an awesome responsibility Uh, so keep keep pressing on great well thanks tim this is a great conversation i hope those listening at home benefited from it as well yeah send send us an email tell us what you think and um we would love to get your feedback um as well and perhaps we will um have a follow-up conversation at some point where we can incorporate um feedback from our audience so yeah thanks for joining us great we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of guideposts with dr tim stoffer If you're finding this podcast beneficial, please share it with a friend or leave us a review. Also, make sure to check out the show notes where you can find links to resources as well as an email address. We want to hear from you. Send us your questions, feedback, and topic ideas for future episodes. Thanks for listening.